Good morning, everybody. Perfect. Okay, so today we're going to carry on uh, the series that has been running for a few weeks on uh, the kingdom of God, and it's part of this multiply theme that that we're looking at in this season in the church. Now, um, today we're going to be looking at multiplying in the world or to the world, but let's do a quick recap. And by the way, if you've missed any of the talks in these series, I really encourage you to have a look. They're on the website, um, and uh, yeah, they're absolutely fantastic, and will give a better grounding um, than this quick recap. But um, who here has seen either of these shows? Who's seen The Crown? Yeah, a few. Who's seen The Last Kingdom? Anyone prepared? Yeah, okay, brilliant. Now, they are what are called um, historical fiction. So Netflix... Other video streaming services are available. Um, They will pick a real-life historical event, and then they uh, will create a backstory. Some of the events may have happened, some of them may not have happened, but they definitely don't let truth get in the way of a good story. Now, um, but the the thing about this is when you start watching it, you you generally know how it's going to end. And I'm really sorry, spoiler alert coming up here, but um, The Crown is essentially about the life of Queen Elizabeth, and she's no longer with us. Sorry if you missed that. Um, uh, But The Last Kingdom is essentially about King Alfred um, and his efforts to unite the the kingdoms of Anglo-Saxon England um, to throw out the Danes. Um, I'm sorry if we have any Danes in the house, no hard feelings. Um, You're very welcome now. Um, But the point of these is is, is you know what's going to happen at the end. Now, in some ways, the kingdom of God is a little bit like this. We are characters in these stories. Uh, We face battles, some of which we win, some of which we lose. We face um, hardship, but we face joy. We face pain, but we face healing. But we're living in the knowledge that we know what the ending is. In fact, the ending has already happened in one sense. And that power of the king the king that we believe in, that we worship, has already triumphed. And that changes everything. And so the fantastic thing about this concept of the kingdom is that it helps us understand what God is about in the world and about what our place is in that amazing story. So, so that's the background, um, and today we're going to have a look at this concept of mission. Now, it, it might conjure up different ideas in your mind. It, you might think of David Livingston sort of trekking out across Africa. You might think of um, maybe Brother Andrew sort of smuggling Bibles across an international frontier. But, uh, but, but what is it? Now, for the sake of this talk, I've sort of boiled it down to this. Now, it's an, an inadequate definition, but um, I hope it'll it'll give us some context. So mission is when we answer God's call to be part of him bringing his kingdom to individuals, communities, and nations in another place or another country. Now, it could be that those people from the other country have come here. That might be part of it, but there is this this concept um, when we talk about mission of a call to go somewhere else. Okay, now that doesn't mean that the way that what we do when we get there is any different to what we would have done when we were at home, but it might be that the way we do it and the kind of support we need to do it are a little bit different. 
Um, so where does this come from? Well, uh, one of the last things that Jesus says to his followers before he goes to be with the Father is, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. Now, there's obviously a progression of geographical distance from where they are in this verse. Some of them will stay in Jerusalem. That's what they're called to do. Some of them will go a little bit further to Judea or Samaria, and others will go to the very ends of the earth. And this is what we're looking at now. And Jesus' model of ministry, to the extent that he had one, was to proclaim the nearness of the kingdom and then to demonstrate the power of the kingdom. That's, that's generally how he, how he worked. And he calls us to do the same, and empowers us to do the same through the Holy Spirit. What's fascinating is, is you can often see with ambassadors that, they will, that their values and their objectives align almost word for word with those of their foreign ministers back in their country. So they're right on message, the good ones are anyway. But then the really good ones also try and put it into practice. So they might arrange a trade delegation, um, or they might support a, uh, use some of their government money to support a civil society organization, or stand outside a courtroom when there's a human rights defender. Whatever it is, whatever their objective is, they will try and actually put it into practice as well. And I think that is where this this sort of dual thing of, of being on message about the values and the objectives of the kingdom, in this case, our King Jesus, um, but also doing the works as well. And that's how we witness. So when we look at, as a church, how do we get involved in, in this uh, work of the kingdom? we can sort of boil it down to kind of three areas. And you may have seen these in the newsletter. Um, there's, there's go, so physically actually responding to a call to go somewhere. Now, that could be short-term or it could be long-term. Um, it, there's prayer. And then there's also support or giving. You may have seen it as give. You may have seen it as support. And we'll, we'll just have a look at these. And, and just for the record, for those of you who knew, you're very welcome. Um, but when we talk about global partners in this church, basically we're, we're talking about those who have been called to go and uh, do something uh, overseas. So how do we end up going? Well, I'm really glad that the young people are here today, and it's so exciting to see people being baptized because you know it's it, it's a step on an amazing adventure that you're going to be on. And uh, when I was a teenager, uh, a man came to Winchester who'd been working in Burundi, and he told us that uh, when he was a teenager, he had prayed a prayer: "Lord, I will go anywhere. I will do anything. You just make it clear." And that is a very powerful but very dangerous prayer. <laughs> you don't know what is going to happen. And indeed, I prayed that prayer and my life changed. He will honor that prayer. God will honor that prayer. And your life will be full of adventure uh, you'll meet people with a richness of culture you've never imagined. You'll experience the humbling hospitality of strangers. You'll learn the thrill of earning the trust of individuals, of families and communities. And you'll fall in love with those that God loves. And you'll see him at work. But you'll never be the same again. <laughs> <laughs>
Smith Wigglesworth said, if you, sorry, Smith Wigglesworth was a preacher, um, a minister um, earlier in the 20th century, and he said, if you do not venture, you will remain ordinary as long as you live. If you dare the impossible, then God will abundantly do far above all that you ask and imagine or think. Now, Jesus one day was going from one place to another, and he decided to go via Samaria. He didn't have to go via Samaria. And I'm going to go th- just give you an introduction to the story quickly, but Beth's going to talk more about it next week. And, uh, but he decided to go through Samaria, and on his way, he, he felt thirsty. So he stopped and sat on a well, um, waiting for someone to come and draw some water for him. And to cut a long story short, he had a conversation with a woman, a woman that changed her, her entire world and that of her community. But one thing of this story really kind of stood out to me, and that was that Jesus sat on the well without anything to draw water with. He put himself in a place of real vulnerability and, and humility, sorry. Now, the uh, Sri Lankan... Uh, is that the right one? Yes, the Sri Lankan theologian uh, Daniel T. Niles said, he, that is Jesus, was a true servant because he was at the mercy of whom he came to serve. The weakness of Jesus, we his disciples must share. To serve from a position of power is not true service, but beneficence. So what's he trying to say? Well, when you go to a different culture, uh, as Beth and I have done, you, you go without any language, you go without any understanding of how anything works, you're like a baby again. You don't know how old society works, you just don't know how anything works at all. And like a baby, this ends up with you sleeping a lot, crying a lot, and providing you can get hold of it, eating a lot. But the kingdom can grow at this stage because it's about him, and it's about them, the people that you've gone to, and it's not about you. There's nothing that you can do. And, and the longer that we can hold that position of, of relying on others to, to help us, not being self-sufficient, the more opportunity the kingdom has to grow. So who is called? Well, some of us are being called or will be called to go overseas or relocate within the UK, um, no matter how inadequate we feel about it. Now, Beth told me I could tell this story, but um, she was a very shy child. Her brother thought that uh, she might make it as far as Sparshall College, but probably would never leave the county. But when she became a Christian, the Holy Spirit began changing her, and she's done some amazing things. She's served in some very deprived communities in the UK, and she's worked in South Africa and Central Asia. The other thing is this isn't just a preserve of the middle class, or the white middle class even, Yes, there might be more barriers to others to get out, but it's our duty as a church family to make sure that nothing can stand in the way of people following God's call. And we'll talk a bit more about that in a minute. But what about the not yet? We've talked in this sermon series about the kingdom coming, the kingdom has come, but also the kingdom is yet to come. It's like this now and not yet dynamic, whereby we don't see everything that we hope to see. But what about this bit for praying? What are we praying for when we pray for global partners and and who they're working with? Well, Jesus tells us to pray for the kingdom to come. And Derek Morphew, who wrote the book that we've been following in this series a little bit, he, he argues that this is not any sort of prayer. 
that this is a prayer focused on a certain expectation. And this is an amazing quote from a guy called Rhys Howes, who was an intercessor during World War II. And he said, a prayer warrior, a prayer warrior this is, can pray for a thing to be done without necessarily being willing for the answer to come through himself or herself. And he is not even bound to continue the prayer until it has been answered. But an intercessor is responsible to gain his objective and he can never be free until he has gained it. And, you know, I'd, just, I'd love to be an intercessor. I'd love to be more of an intercessor and have more intercessors in the church. But Derek Morphew goes on and says, he, and he tells us that as we immerse ourselves in the promise of Scripture, such as the vision of the kingdom in books like Isaiah and Daniel, we're letting the Holy Spirit enlarge our expectations of what he can do. And as a result, we'll see more of God moving. Okay, so before, we, before Beth and I left, um, someone in the church uh, gave us uh, Isaiah chapter 35 as kind of prophetic word over our lives and what we were going to do. And, and we use this to expand our vision and to guide our prayers because it touched on so many areas that were on our heart and we believe were on God's heart. And just to say that prayer does not always have to be like this. It is not something, that, I mean, you know, we've all fallen asleep in a prayer meeting, I'm sure, I definitely have, but it, it, prayer for the world is, can be incredibly exciting, and we're working on some options of short-term uh, trips that people might like to do next year. But finally, how do we support those who are called to go? As we've heard um, in previous talks, once we take on the job of being Christ's ambassadors, we will become spiritual warfare looking for a place to happen. And we heard a little bit of that from Josh and Amy. The people who, who go and follow God's call will need all the support they can get. Now, if over the course of this month, as we've been hearing from these different global partners, uh, you've been touched by these stories and you would like to be part of the groups that support these people, then please come and speak to me or Beth. And there are sign-up sheets at the back on the Connect area. You can pop your name down and we can get in touch. Don't worry, you're not signing your life away. You know, we'll have a conversation and see you know, how we can best support. Because as Winchester Vineyard, we want to be a place where anyone who's been sent has that solid base of supporters ready and willing to equip them um, to do it. The other way, obviously, is by giving money. You know, it, it costs money to go overseas, and it's an incredible blessing knowing there are people at home who are giving either on a one-off basis or regularly. It might be a tiny bit, it might be a lot, but um, there are special offering envelopes, uh, and this is the last week we're going to have them out. So if you want to make a one-off donation, uh, which will be shared amongst the global partners, uh, this is the best opportunity to do it. And finally, just as I wrap up, there is another aspect of support. And the reality is that in so many cases, um, it's people of near culture um, who are incredibly effective at bringing the kingdom. So in other words, it could be Indians from the south of India going to the north, or as we saw in the story of the Samaritan woman at the well, it could be um, uh, it, it, he, Jesus sent the Samaritan woman back to her own people. Often Europeans, you know, it, it can be more cost-effective to do it this way than Europeans who, um, who might also have a lot of colonial baggage associated with them going.
Now, this is a really complex area that we can't get into now, but it might be that you felt the Holy Spirit prompting you to, to give towards or, or to support people like Ned and Larissa or Ermius, and rather than going yourself. And um, I really encourage you to uh, come and talk to us if that's, if that's the case, and we can help find a way that you can be supporting those people. Now, it might be that as I've been speaking today or over the last month, uh, that you've felt a call to go, that you've got a sort of heat <laughs> or a pressure in your chest whenever anyone talks about this and you're like, this might be me. I might be being called to do something. It might be short term, it might be long term. Um, but if that's you, we'd really, really love to pray for you. Um, so, so please come and talk to us. It might be as I shared, and particularly as I shared the, the stuff that didn't happen, that we didn't see happen, that you might have some pain of prayers that haven't yet been answered. Or it might be that you feel that you've been damaged by some mission that you've been involved in. And again, we'd really love the opportunity to pray for you today. It might also be that, that years ago you had this excitement and this, um, this call to go and do something somewhere else, maybe abroad, maybe in the UK, and, and other stuff has happened, life has happened, and it hasn't happened yet, but you still feel it, or you feel it's been reignited, and if you'd like prayer about that, and maybe this, the Holy Spirit give you a bit more direction, and um, yeah, hope of, of when it might happen, or, or what it might be, we'd, we'd really love to pray for you about that too, but um, I'll ask a uh, the Evans is to come back up now and lead us on to the next bit.